new series. It's really the same series of Knowing God, just a different aspect to it. You know, it's 10 weeks to Christmas. Can you believe that? You want to be depressed? That may excite the children, but you go, oh my gosh, 10 weeks. It's just like, it's insane. 10 weeks. You may doubt me. I counted it. It's coming. It's coming. So we're doing this new series called Christ Before Christmas. So I want to give you a very, we're an ugly church that doesn't have anything to do with appearances. If you've read the book, you understand the concept. It's about being weak. We just sang that song about being weak and then our weakness, God makes us strong. So I don't have a super duper object lessons for you. So I'm going to give you the objects that are already here to give you a timeline so that when we do this series, Christ before Christmas. In other words, did Jesus just become Jesus at his birth? Was Jesus always Jesus? And what was he doing? So what I want to do is orient you that door there, if it was open, would represent eternity in the past. Eternity. That, that's when it was just God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. One God in three persons. It's a, it's, it's a mystery. I can't explain it. I don't have any concept, but the Bible gives us some glimpses. The bell is going to represent creation. In the beginning, God. Let's put that verse up, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? What's the door? Weak. Really weak. And you want your kids to pay attention at school. What's the door? A little better. What's the bell? Man, this side over here. Are you guys with me? Hello! What's the bell? Creation. creation. All right. Now, take it through from the creation, Old Testament, all the way up to Christmas. This is the, this is the manger. This is, this is the birth of Jesus here, Christmas. Okay? So, what was Christ doing before here? Did he, was he at the bell? Was he behind the bell? Okay. Then we'll go forward. This is the New Testament Leading up, I know that doesn't logistically line up space-wise, so get over it if you're OCD and engineering-minded. Well, you know, it's a lot further from there to there. To Anyway, that's the cross, and that rock's way too heavy to scoot it over this way. But anyway, that's Jesus dying on the cross. The other side would be the history we're in, okay? That door leads into the future of eternal future, okay? The kingdom of God comes, new heavens and the new earth out the door, baby. From, so I'm going to cover from that door. I probably won't make it all the way to that door, but I'm going to get pretty close. So I'm going to give you a kind of a, a foundation for this series, because we're going to find Christ in the Old Testament uh, in the days ahead, and I want to lay the groundwork. I'm going to start at kind of a, an obscure place to start. This is the last night of Christ's life, Luke 22. He's going to celebrate the Passover meal, which was a meal that the Jewish people celebrated in remembrance of being delivered out of Egypt. And they, they killed a, a lamb, and they had a meal together with bitter herbs and different cups they would lift. And Jesus is going to transition that into the new covenant, which we would call communion, which we're going to take together uh, at the end this morning. Uh, so I want you to look this last night of his life. Luke includes something that none of the other gospel writers do, and it's intriguing, 
And it captured my attention months ago, and I've been spending a lot of time on this. And so I want you to look with me in Luke 22, where he's telling his disciples, hey, go get ready to celebrate the Passover, that you're going to find a house. There's a guy waiting, and he knows we're coming. I don't know how that all happened. It's just God was working behind the scenes. And they find the guy. He shows them an upper room. Everything's ready. They show up, all the disciples in Christ, and he's going to celebrate Passover with them. Verse 14, it says, when the hour came, now you've got to understand, this is a God clock here. This is tiempo de Dios. This is a different type of time here. This is God's set time. Jesus was born in the shadow of the cross. He knew his whole life what was coming. What I'm going to show you today is he knew before he came what was coming. But let's just stay where he is right now. He says he's, he's on a clock. Remember he told at the first miracle, uh, when he turned the water and the wine, he told his mother, my hour has not come yet. Uh, Christ was on a, a timetable, and, and it was headed to midnight, was being crucified on the cross. And so at this hour, that it, as it came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Verse 15. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, which is the next day. Now, I want you to see that the richness of this verse that I'll not fully unpack. This, he uses the same word twice. It's like saying, I passionately passioned. Or I intensely desired to desire. It, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's taking desire to an exponential level. He, he's sitting there with probably tears as well as a smile. That it's taken me, we're going to see eternity, to get to this moment. That I'm about to fulfill all that I was sent here to accomplish. On the, I'm about to suffer. And so there's a relief of anguish that I'm almost there. There's an anticipation of this really hard stuff coming. And then there's the, the faith of seeing on the other side of the victory that it's going to bring. And so he lifts this cup and he's just, he's basically showing him his heart. You got to know that he desired this. He wanted this. He's been passionate about this. He spent his whole, he came to earth to do this. He lived in light of this. All of his life, he's been in the shadow of the cross. You got to get that about this, and we'll see it in the plan of God. But just let's drop down. So he drinks the cup, he eats the bread. In verse uh, 20, it says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me with mine on the table. In other words, Judas is beside him. Now, don't miss this next verse, verse 22. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. So you see in both sides, you see the, the divine side is God has a plan. The human side is the enemy has a plan. But God's plan is bigger than the enemy's plan. He's not taken back by it. This decree speaks with you go past the bell 
to the door, through the door. It's the eternal plan of God before he made creation. If you know anything about our God is that he's a designer, he's a planner. You did creation didn't just, whoops, whoops, a duck-billed platypus. Wow, I just had some parts left over. And I thought I'd throw a beak on a mammal and let it, you know, lay eggs but breastfeed. And I'd have poisonous little things in its talons and have a beaver's tail. That's what Australia's all about, it's wild animals. No, God had a design in that. God, as Job says, he, he had a design in the ostrich, even though he's silly and stupid. Uh, calls him that, you know, but yet God finds pleasure in the ostrich that he gave him wings, but he can't fly. So there's a design behind us. All of our makeup and the whole, all of creation, it's not a big bang, it's a big design. So God has a plan. Now we're going to see that plan unfolding backwards uh, this morning. We're going to see the eternity of the plan of our salvation. So Jesus said, I'm living under a decree. I'm living under God's orders, God's plans, God's wisdom. God has made a way as the way maker. He designed a plan. Now, I want you to go with me to the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 1. Now, the other gospels, Matthew and Luke, record the birth of Jesus through the angels and Mary and the manger and the baby wrapped in swaddling clothing and Mark just goes to the beginning of Jesus at his baptism when the Holy Spirit comes on him. John, he's not like any of them. John is going to go past the bell. John's going to go back to the doors. Now, let's just see. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. So, in other words, when you get to the bell, the creation, on the other side of the bell... Jesus was already there. Now, he's going to call him the Logos or the Word. Just a big fancy way of using a description of Christ as the living Word of God. As God spoke creation into existence, it was the living Word of Jesus. So, first John says, I want you to go back, not to, not to baby Jesus, not to the manger. Let's go back, not to creation. But when we get to creation... The Word was already there. He says the Word was in the beginning. And then second of all, he says, and the Word was with God. Now, past the beginning, through the doors, with God describes eternity. I can't give you any more than that, other than that they love each other. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, Christians don't believe in a three-headed God, He's one being. But in that being, he's revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You say, Jamie, how do you explain that? I don't. I worship him. There's a difference. If I had a God I could explain, he wouldn't be much of a God. I can't explain eternity to you. You say, where did God come from? That says you're stupid, and I'm stupid, because you're finite. He's infinite. He didn't have a beginning. He is the beginning. You say, explain that. I can't explain it. I worship him. He didn't, he didn't explain anything. In Genesis, he just steps out and says, I did everything. I made it all. Amen. And I'm not going to try to prove it because if you just look at a, at, a, at a DNA, it proves itself. If you look at the fantastic creation. Anyway, back behind, what's the word? To, what's Jesus doing? He's with. The word with there has the idea of equality, face to face. 
Jesus is face to face. In fact, Jesus says it this way, that he was in the bosom, the heart, the chest. Laid it like John when Jesus was eating that last supper. The Bible says John laid his head on the bosom of Jesus, the chest. Jesus had his head on the Father's chest in eternity. They were happy. They weren't lonely. They're not like, oh, I need to make someone named Jamie to stir things up a little bit, and it'll make life a little more exciting. Let's make some creatures because we're kind of bored. No, they out of their joy and love, let me keep reading. Uh, we'll get to that creation's intent in a minute. He, the, in the beginning was, he was already there, the Word. The Word was with God, and thirdly, the Word was God. That's where people choke. This is what divides us from every other faith. It divides us from the Jehovah Witnesses. They add in their Bible, they pervert the Scriptures with one letter. What's the difference with one? Their version, the New World Translation, will say, and the word was a God. Well, you say, what's the big deal? The big deal is between heresy and truth. The truth is, Jesus said, I am God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, he's not saying that there, there's not a distinction between he's the Son. Because the Jehovah's Witnesses will say, well, Jesus is on earth. He's praying to God in heaven. How can they be one? Because Jesus, as a man with God in him and equal with God, is speaking to the Father that he never stopped being one with. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Before Christmas, Jesus was God. Before Christmas, Jesus is equal with God. Before Christmas, Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. You'll say, well, this, what did, it makes all the, when you, when you see baby Jesus, and you realize baby Jesus is God, and that baby Jesus was before the beginning, and he is the beginning of all creation. Look at verse 3 in John. He says, and all through him, through Jesus, through the word, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So what does that make him? It starts with a C. Creator. He is God. But now he's saying at the bell, at creation, Creation happened. The Bible says in Genesis, in the beginning, God created. So we see from John, it was God, but it was God the Father through the Son, the living Word, created everything that there was. Okay, that's eternity past bringing us to the bell. But as they planned creation, God anticipates the fall of Adam and Eve, Genesis 3. He anticipates, he, he foresees the future. God's not just a psychic. God is above time. He understands and knows that Adam and Eve are going to sin. Why make them would be my, why make something that's going to cause you massive heartache? Why do it? Do it another way. God was not blindsided when the serpent came and tempted Eve and she sinned and Adam sinned with her. Amen. He wasn't blindsided. He knew that's coming, so he's made a plan that has a contingency on how to solve that problem. Let me first stop and say, why would God 
out of the joy of his heart, the goodness of his heart, why would he make creation knowing that it's going to cause him massive pain? I think of it this way. I, we have a, a friend, and, and uh, uh, she, has, uh, she was told when she was pregnant that you're, you're going to have a baby. That uh, this, I think they diagnosed it ahead of time, brittle bone. Uh, she knew about it before she gave birth. Uh, did they know the disease? I think they knew. She's pregnant, and then basically the doctor said, we need to terminate this baby because it's going to be debilitating disease, which in the medical world equals a, a burden. And you don't know how many times medical doctors talk mothers into giving up their babies. I, I just, I, I'm not going to go down that road. I could, you know, do not go down that road right now. But so she was told not to deliver that baby. Well, she delivered that baby. And that baby did have bl- brittle bone disease. That baby's, how many, how many bones has she broken? So she's about nine years old, over 50 broken bones at age eight. Her name is Myra. And you would say, who would do, if you looked at her, she, her face shines like the sun. Her mother loves that baby, have to train her sons how to play with her because you can't rough house, you'll break a bone. And just, just a, it's a, so she's already lived past what they said she would live. And God's mercy and grace is exemplified. She went into it knowing that she was going to have this. This is similar, or even a worse situation would be if somebody was able to tell you that you're pregnant with a baby that's going to create a lot of pain in people's lives. It's going to hurt a lot of people, especially you. It's going to cause you tears and brokenness and anguish. You still want to have that baby? Why would you? Are you a sicko? No, it's called love. God knew what Adam and Eve were going to do, and their first child, Cain, kills his brother, guts him, with a knife up all the way up his stomach and slits his throat, slaughters him. That's what God knew was coming. Sin, destruction, death, Gaza Strip, Israel, turmoil, pain. Do you know how many innocent people are suffering and going to suffer on Israel's side and Gaza's side? There's a lot of Christians that live in Gaza. They're not all evil. They're not all evil. But there's evil that's been ruling them. And I'm not, I can't get in, I'm not in the middle. I'm just saying, God, bring true peace. And it's going to get ugly, a lot uglier. And so I just have to lean into God's got a plan. He's the way maker. He's going to make a way. And we're going to have to trust him through this as, as others will. So now we're back to why would you create? There's only one reason. I love them. I want them to know our love. But that's going to cost us. They're going to need redemption. They're going to need a plan of salvation. I need a plan to fix this. We need a plan. Now, remember, all of this happens before the bell. Forget the manger. The manger was being planned before the bell. That's the God we serve. Now, stay with me. Psalm 40. And I know you may not have your Bible or electronic device, or you can watch on the screen. 
So in, in, in Psalms, as in other parts of the Bible, there are times the Holy Spirit inspires people as just to write what it is, but sometimes there's prophetic or there's, there's, there's representation of God speaking directly through his word to us, and this is one of those occasions. Psalm 40 is going to take us to the other side of the bell, back when those doors were open, eternity past. How did they know that? Because he was there. The Holy Spirit was there. So he's recording prehistory. That's going to be the decree that brings history into being. Look in Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. We'll come back to that. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. In other words, Jesus is speaking here before creation. They realize that the plan cannot be carried out by just animal sacrifice. There's not enough sheep in the world. If every sheep that ever lived was sacrificed and all the blood was poured into one place, it wouldn't be good enough to forgive one sinner their sins. It was a temporary Band-Aid from the Garden of First Sacrifice in the Garden of Eden all the way through the Old Testament until the Lamb of God comes this is the back story to the Lamb of God. Is Jesus is saying, I realize, Father, that the plan, though there's going to be an intermediate temporariness to killing him, I realize that that's not going to solve the problem. And then Jesus says this. He says, verse 7, Then I said, Here I am. I have come as it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. What this is talking about is God's will of how to restore Adam and Eve and humanity that have sinned before they're even created. God made a plan that's going to require sacrifice. And they're trying to determine what that sacrifice is going to be. Who's it going to be? And Jesus stepped up with words that some of you will remember when we studied in Isaiah 6 about Isaiah seeing the Lord high and lifted up, the angels filled the temple, holy, holy, holy. At the end of that story, God says, who will go for us and whom will we send? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. That's this same sense here. God is saying, we have a plan. Who's going to carry it out? And Jesus is saying, here am I, send me. Now, understanding that that's going to cost him everything in his life. He sees from eternity past the bell, through the manger, all the way to the cross. When he, in eternity, they make a plan of redemption, he sees the cross. He knows that's his destiny. When Jesus said when we began in Luke, it's been decreed, we're talking eternity past, when God made the plan, I don't know how, when, where, why, I just know that God designed creation and he designed the plan for redemption and Jesus said, now, this obscure concept here where he says, in verse 6, he says, my ear, you've pierced. Now, we're not talking about like some of the kids at the women's retreat, and they tried to get me in on it, one of my granddaughters. They're like, Grandpa, oh, we're all piercing our ears here. We can do yours today. I'm like, I'm going to think about that for a minute. No. <laughs> well, it doesn't hurt that bad. And I'm thinking, how many needles has that needle been in ear-wise? And it ain't going in my ear. And I'm Anyway. I want you to see something 
brilliant here about God and the Word. I'm going to go back to the book of Exodus, the second book. Now, the imagery that comes about out of the book of Exodus is what's being used way before Exodus was ever written. The context in Exodus uh, chapter 21 is how to release slaves that have served and, and fulfilled their tour of duty, if you will. They have the right to say, I can go now. And the master has to give them uh, blessings and supplies. And if they have a wife that was given to them while they were working for the master, they can't take the wife with them or the children. But if they brought their wife with them into it, then they can carry their wife out with them. Now, this, is, this isn't condoning. This has nothing to do with condoning uh, it's just the culture of that day and was for, for many years. But God, you, all through it, you find these mercy uh, spots in the middle of it. So the guy's fulfilled his tour of duty, slave. Now he's set free. But he has an option. And look at this option in chapter 21, verse 5. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and my children... And I don't want to go free. You might think, is he demented? He's giving up pleasure, freedom, and a loose sense of the word to go do his will, however he wants to do it. But the cost is, you're leaving the one that you love, that you've been serving, and you're leaving your family behind. If he doesn't want to do that, and he comes back and says, I don't want to leave. Now, this is choice. This is volunteering. This isn't forced. It's love's choice. And it says this. If he doesn't want to leave, verse 6, the master must take him before the judges, which some versions translates it before God, so it represents those in spiritual authority and before the Lord. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost, pierce his ear with an awl, then he will be his servant for life. Now, you can come at, now this ain't getting your ears pierced look cool. This is coming to a hardwood door, ear pressed in, and a big awl that's put there and wham, drilled a hole in your ear into the wall. Why would you do that? Because love says, I'd rather give up my freedom and be with those that I care about than I would to take my freedom and do whatever I want to do with it. It's serving out of volunteering. This is what Jesus meant. Basically, I'm not saying this literally happened in heaven throughout those doors, eternity past, but the imagery fits however it went down where all the angels were watching and they don't have a clue. And Jesus put his ear against the, the, the door of heaven and the father took a giant awl and just wham, pierced his ear. I don't know that that happened literally, but it happened in his heart. See, that pierced ear represents a pierced heart, a heart that says, I'm all in. Jesus wasn't forced to come to the manger. Jesus volunteered before creation ever happened. He was crucified. If that doesn't challenge you enough, I'll show you one last verse. If that hasn't blown your mind yet, this one will. The book of Revelation, chapter 13. John writing this in the midst of hell breaking loose, he writes about the Lamb and the Lamb's book of life. 
Revelation 13. He's speaking about the Antichrist and destruction. And, and see, I go to places like this when all hell breaks loose in the world and you get reminded God's got a plan. God's still working his plan. He's a way maker. He planned the way. He made the way. He'll bring the way. You can't stop him. You can't stop God's way. Judas couldn't stop the plan of Jesus. That, look, at, look at Revelations 13, 8. It says, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life. In other words, those that have not surrendered their life to Christ. That's how you get your name in the book of life. And he says, this book belongs to the lamb that was slain. Don't miss this. Before the bell. Back in eternity, when Jesus said yes and nailed his ear and said, I will go and volunteered to come to planet earth as a human like us to bear our sins and burdens and responsibility and bring them to the cross where he lifts that cup and says, I have longed for this moment. I've desired, I believe he's desired it since eternity. The cross was not a surprise. The cross wasn't a panic mode of, oh, myself, what are we going to do? Our, our creation is sin. They need a redeemer. They need redemption. Animals can't make it happen. How's it going to happen? Jesus raised his hand. I'll go. And the Father sent him. There's only one reason for God to love the world. He had, you know, there's a great song on the radio, and I don't mean to diminish the song. And I, uh, it moves me. I don't know who sings it, but it's, he's basically talking about the stories of Jesus, like the prodigal story, uh, the prodigal son. And, and he says in the song, he had you in mind when he told that story. I love that. But what I'd say to him is he had me in mind before the bell. He had me in mind in eternity. He had you in mind when he pierced his ear. When he chose to come, he had you in mind. No matter how crazy your life is, or no matter what the past has been, or your pain, or how you, what you've gone through, God had you in mind before you were in your mother's womb. God had a plan. God says, I'm going to nail my son's ear to the wall who volunteers to come to planet Earth because he had you in mind. So when you go back to Luke, what we started at, and Jesus lifts the cup, with tears running down his face, but a smile. I'm, a, I'm about to make the way. We planned the way before creation. I knew the way was going to cost me this blood and this body to be broken. This is the kind of God that we have. You're not a, oops. You're part of what Jesus did when he said, I've desired to desire to have this meal before I suffer. Because after I suffer, there's going to be redemption released throughout history. And he had you in mind. He had you in mind. If that doesn't move you, something in you, like the old preacher says, if that doesn't stir your fire, your wood's wet. You need to get dry. If that doesn't make you go, wow. If that doesn't make you go, I don't get it, but it's good. If that doesn't make you say, why, but thank you. There's no why, 
but love. There's no reason but grace. There's no purpose but God's glory for him to design things the way he did in such a way that is completely upside down the way the world would ever do it for God to make a plan that he knew the moment he said, let there be man in our image, that that was going to cost him knowing the cross had already been planned, that he was going to pay the price for that creation on this cross, his cross, thousands of years later. He wore that before Christmas. He wore that throughout the Old Testament. He wore that as a young man. He wore that at his baptism. He wore that when he healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out demons. He wore that up to that last night and said, I've, I've been thinking about this a long time. You can't kill his passion. The anguish coming was intense, but his passion was stronger. The enemy's plan was mighty, but his passion was stronger. Love, love made a way. Love is the way maker. What a way. Can't stop him. Can't stop him. Can't stop him. Well, I've sinned. I've blown it. I've failed. Can't stop him. He's bigger than your sin. He's bigger than our failure. Can't stop him. Yeah, but, but the, all the, 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 what's going on in the world and the, the pain, it can't stop him. But, but, you know, the devil's on the loose, and, the, and you got all this going on over here and over there, and this could go to that. Can't stop him. He's got a plan. He makes the plan. He works the plan. He finishes the plan. God had never started something that he didn't finish. He's never said, well, maybe tomorrow I'll get to it. When God sets his heart to something, it's, it's, that's why Jesus called it a decree. Who's going to argue with that? Nobody. Well, the devil doesn't like it. Oh, well. Oh, well. There's a decree that was made before the bell that affects us right now. Right now. What a God we serve. Makes me want to get my ear pierced and say, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus got his ear more than pierced. He had his hands pierced. He had his side pierced. He had his feet pierced. He had his head mashed with thorns. He had his back pierced with the whip marks. And he had you in mind. That pierced ear in eternity led to a pierced heart that lived in the shadow of the cross until he accomplished Redemption, he made a way. Amen.